It's the JT The Brick Show. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. Instafford! Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. Instafford! Oh my goodness! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle. And he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Open Adams at the 35, racing to the 20, 10, touchdown Raiders. And now, here's J.D. the Brick. Thank you very much for coming back. Hour number two on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde, two of the best and amazing law group. Saw those gentlemen. I looked up at their beautiful office today at Tivoli Village. Fantastic group. Their interns, their lawyers, their entire staff will fight for you if you get into an accident. You need great attorneys in this town. You see a lot of people showing off on billboards all over town. Not these guys. They get it done. 702-222-9999. If you get into an accident, call the DeCastaverde Law Group, season ticket holders and proud partners of our show on Raider Nation Radio. So Josh McDaniels had a big press conference today. We're going to play a portion of it right now as Josh McDaniels met the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center after paring down the roster. How are we doing? Good. Ready to roll? Overview on your on the roster, the decision that you had to make yesterday, and where you guys are. Yeah, I mean, the, we've talked a lot about this time of the year. Um, you know, they're tough decisions, and uh, a lot of things go into them. A lot of discussions, a lot of people. Um, you know, we're evaluating our team, and um, you know what would be best going forward, and you know, just trying to look at everything from all sides and see if we can't put together the the best group that we can gives us the best chance to compete every week. So um, I think it's still a fluid process. There's still some things that I would say are uh, up in the air here uh, relative to practice squad or, you know, those kind of things. And um, But right now I think we've tried to put together the group that we feel, you know, best about going forward. And, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be some things that get tweaked here. <clears throat> wasn't going to come down to where you came from or who you are or any of that kind of stuff drafted. <clears throat> you, you traded Neil Farrell and released um, Matthew Butler, two draft picks. Is that kind of a sign of that? Like it's, I don't think we were trying to make a statement with oh, that. No. I, I think it was just we're just trying to – we're just trying to have a fair, honest evaluation of where we're at and who's played the best, you know, and what gives our team the best chance to win. Uh, both players were competitive. Both players have improved, um, you know, and any time you trade, you know, a player, especially when you do it in the division, you just got to, if that's what you think is best, then, you know, you make the decision that you think is best for your team. Um, you know, Matthew uh, is one of the few that I can confirm is back on the practice squad right now. So, you know, we we released him, but also, you know, have a chance to continue working with him, which is great. Um, um, and again, it just, I think we just got to hold ourselves to that standard of whatever's best for the team. Uh, those are the decisions we want to try to make, regardless of how they got here, what round it was, um, free agency, not free agency, whatever. Um, we're just trying to do the best thing for the 2023 Raiders. <clears throat> There's going to be a lot of more movement going on, but a guy like Christian Wilkerson, who you've been working with since he was in New England, 
You know, how cool is it to kind of see him initially earn his way onto this team with this opportunity? Yeah, um, K. Wilkes worked really hard. You know, since I've known him and. Um, you know, had the had an injury last year. It was kind of an unfortunate situation, and you know, in training camp last year, um, where he kind of you know didn't really have an opportunity to have a season last year. So, um, I think he's worked really hard to put himself in position to compete this year in camp. And um, you know, I thought he did some good things in in the in the summer. I thought he did some good things in the games. Competed hard, uh, and not only on offense but in the kicking game as well. So. Um, you know that room is very competitive. It, it was it was probably one of the more competitive rooms we've had. Um, you know, in the two years we've been here, and tough decisions, and just felt like he had done enough to really uh, earn an opportunity. <clears throat> All your draft picks um, it made the initial roster. I know uh, going back to, to April, you guys said this could possibly be foundational once you want to build here. Um, I know they're ultimately going to be judged by what they do in the games, but uh, how happy are you with the class as a whole and what you've seen from them in the last week? Yeah, there, there's a lot to be determined, I'd say. You know, like, like you said, none of them have played in a real game yet. So, um, you know, I think for, for any young players, you know, you need to see it for a few years and, you know, kind of what is it going to be. Um, none of them are going to – none of them are what they're going to be, you know. And so the development process continues. We had that conversation with the guys this morning. Um, you know, this is not the end. This is the beginning of a different phase of the year. And so uh, we keep working with them. We keep teaching them. We keep uh, doing extra with them if we can on the field, in the meeting room. Uh, they need to – get themselves into a professional working routine now that the regular season is close to, to being here. Um, and so there's another element of teaching uh, that they're going to go through here and uh, how to go through a regular season week, how to understand an opponent, you know, how to learn a game plan. Um, you know, that, that, that process is going to be new to all of them too. So, um, you know, I'm excited for, uh, for our coaching staff to keep working with them and coaching them. And those guys are all excited to continue to work and develop. And, you know, hopefully some of them are going to contribute here quickly. You guys have more defensive linemen than any other position group on the team. Uh, what's, what's the importance of having so much depth? You said kept. kept. Uh, more defensive linemen. Kept them, yeah. <clears throat> uh, what's the importance of having that much depth for that position? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a tough position. Once you let them go, it's just so hard to, you know, I mean – that's not an easy position to go get somebody in October when you're when you need somebody based on an injury. And so, um, young, good, healthy defensive linemen, whether they're tackles, ends, or have some kind of versatility to play both, um, you know, if you have them, you probably ought to keep them. You know, as many of them as you can. You know, within reason. I mean, it's hard to um, you know it's hard to probably keep more than what we have, but. Um, you know, I just feel like we you got to give yourself a chance in the trenches. You know, if you don't do that um, and you start losing there, you know, it doesn't really matter what else you have. So, um, you know, it felt like we had a competitive group there between the tackles, the ends, the whole room um, was competitive. I think, I think we had some guys that, you know, gave us some versatility, play some inside, play some outside, rush a little bit from both spots. I think that's important. Uh, so our depth overall, I think, is decent, and we have some young players, obviously, that are going to need to keep developing and improving. And um, but overall, I thought, you know, tried to make the best decision for ourselves under that premise. <clears throat> the other side of the line, uh, what did Greg Monroe show you? And we talked so much about the cohesion, the continuity. Where is he in that process of kind of integrating himself in that group? Yeah, I think he's he's right there. Um, you know, he's he's been a really important. Um, cog for us here as we've kind of gone through training camp um 
he you know he acclimated quickly to our terminology um, he he's a physical guy that practices you know well every day and does a good job of communicating with the guys on either side of him understands the offense um, has played a lot of football you know has multiple multiple position value for us so if something were ever to happen you know you'd have some flexibility there with both him and Dylan and really all the guys inside other than Andre you know have some flexibility to center there so um, just you know good football player uh, glad we have him how was that evaluation for the offensive line it looked like it was pretty deep and then also putting Wagner on IR yeah um, that you know it, yeah the, the offensive line was very similar to the defensive line there was a lot of guys um, that we were um, you know we were playing a lot of football in the preseason to try to really get a good evaluation of them thought the joint practices really helped us, you know, try to figure out exactly what the right, you know, concoction of those guys was going to be here. Um, you know, we're able to get, um, you know, a couple of these guys. I think we're headed on, headed towards getting a couple of these guys back to our practice squad, which is good. And then Wags, you know, um, I thought he was really competitive. Um, just, you know, he, he, he's been dealing with something that, you know, finally kind of looks like, you know, we needed to address it, which we did. And, um, you know, but, you know, he'll, he'll eventually be back and working, you know, working out and doing all the things he needs to do here while he's able to be in the meetings, which is good. And, you know, hopefully get himself ready for another year next year. What the process is for, you know, all these months you've been kind of preparing for a season to decide a roster and now it's to practice and prepare for an opponent, you know, uh, Denver Broncos. So something kind of has to switch over, mm -hmm. um, from the coaching staff to the players. Uh, what is that process like? And do you feel that in the building where, it's starting to get to that point. Yeah, it's getting there. Um, you know, this these next two days are really um, going to continue to be a little bit more about us and what we need to do and kind of finalizing everything with the roster. And, um, you know, there's some things we can get done here for sure. But I'd say that will uh, – that energy will completely shift, obviously, you know, uh, over the weekend and into next week when, we're, when the players are back on Tuesday. So um, – yeah, you haven't really done this. You know, as I was saying about the rookies, they've never done it. So, um, you know, the coaches are already starting to kind of, you know, go through that scouting report process, the initial stages of, you know, what that might look like. Um, we're hard at work at trying to evaluate their roster, you know, and kind of what they have. They have some moving parts. We have some moving parts like, like every team does at this point. Uh, so the, the, you know, the evaluation and the, the competition about who you're going to be working against and what that's going to look like is still up in the air a little bit. Um, that'll get kind of firmed up here in the next so many days. Um, and then you turn all your effort and energy towards what do we got to do to win? How do we got to play the game? You know, so uh, we'll get into that obviously next week. But, you know, they're going to be well coached. I know that for sure. And, um, you know, it's a it's a different, you know, different style of play, different culture, they have different coaches. So uh, this is going to be a, you know, a big challenge. But, um, you know, this week we'll, we'll we'll put the finishing touches on what we've been working on here in terms of trying to complete our roster and focus on ourselves here for another couple of days and then uh, really shift towards them next week. Was the plan always to go with three quarterbacks or was there any discussion with one or two? No, I mean, not really. Um, it was to go with three and, and not – not for any specific reason other than we felt like we had three guys that were capable, um, you know, of, of being roster players. And um, Aiden's obviously got a lot of developing in front of him. And, um, 
you know, Brian's played plenty of football and obviously uh, excited about Jimmy. So I um, feel like we got a good room. Um, you know, we'll figure all that out, you know, as we head into next week and beyond relative to how we'll do that. But um, I like what those guys are doing. They work well together. Um, the guys with some experience offer their hand to, to Aiden, uh, you know, when he has opportunities to learn from them. And um, and those guys are hard at work at, at trying to, you know, get ready themselves. So um, just, you know, that's a position that's important, obviously, as we know. And having some depth there is never a bad thing. You guys got five safeties. Um, is that kind of a sign of where football has sort of gone at that position? Um, seems like there's you're asking safety to do more maybe than in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we have five decent football players, you know, and we probably had more than that. Um, well, we did have more than that, honestly. Um, you know, so it's it depends on how you want to use them. You know, if you're going to play some of them down there at the nickel spot at times against some of the multiple tight end groups, um, some people are playing some of those guys down there at linebacker, um, you know, a little bit more. So uh, each team's different. Uh, some teams are very simple in terms of how they use their personnel and other teams – uh, try to get a little bit more uh, matchup, you know, oriented. Um, we just felt like we had guys that can compete in the kicking game, help us win there, and and compete on defense. And um, you know, across the, you know, we got 11 guys in the secondary that have some version of you know roles, flexibility, etc. And um, you know, try to use them the best we can. How difficult a decision, I guess, was Drake Thomas. Was there a disappointment that he wasn't able to clear waivers? Yeah, I mean. Um, you know, that's you take a chance, obviously, with every player that you release, and you try to get back to your practice squad. Uh, I think there was 24 players claimed out of 1,200, whatever it was. So, you know, the odds are um, technically in your favor uh, until they're not. So, um, you know, just saw Drake. Uh, he was great. You know, great kid. Um, gave us everything he had. Um, you know, he's he's gonna contribute. You know, to the to an NFL roster, you know, I think Seattle's the team that claimed him. So, um, you know, he was competitive in the kicking game, competitive on defense. Uh, you know, it's just you know one of those things where you try to, you know, create the right 53, and sometimes you're going to, you know, miss out on a guy here if you want to keep working with him on the practice squad. But wish him nothing but the best. He'll do a great job there. Um, they got a good football player. Beneficial, Josh. Is it then to have that roster exemption spot for Josh Jacobs in terms of getting working him back in, but also – still dealing with the roster yeah I mean it it gives you a little bit of flexibility you know and um, you know for a little bit so um, you know I'm, I'm eager to have him on the practice field and just you know get him started and get him acclimated here uh, the next couple of days and then in the next week and um, you know there's there's always things you you're sorting through whether it's injuries or um, you know just other decisions that you want to try to make sure you got the right thing um, you know, going into the season. So we're, we'll take our time and try to make the right choice on that. Okay, that was a portion of the press conference. There's about another eight or nine minutes left. You can find that at Raiders.com, LD Sports Network, and you'll hear from other hosts on the show because we got Vinny coming up next. Vinny Bonsignor, who was at practice today and was at the press conference. You heard a couple of Vinny's questions and his analysis of the roster coming up. Very important conversation with Vinny next. Because Vinny really puts a lot of time into the roster. And what's going to happen here going forward, the deconstruction of the old roster and the buildup of this roster and how that works out. It's complicated. It is complicated. But that's exciting on the flagship as we continue on. Brought to you by PTs.
Now back to the JT The Brick Show, and it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila, and presented by the Realty One Group. O'Connell's in the shotgun, Keelan Cole, Trey Tucker, and Wilkerson. He throws it out to the right, and it is caught by Trey Tucker, and he caught it, and EA, his momentum took him out of bounds. There was no one behind that play on 16-yard game. If he could have stopped like a, and pirouetted, he was gone. There was no safety back there. Oh, I love working with Alec Allen and Lincoln Kennedy. JT, back with you as we get you ready for the start of the season. Next Tuesday, our coverage begins of the Broncos. Coming off Labor Day, and Vinny Bonsignor is a massive part of it with the morning show, Vegas Nation, the Las Vegas Review Journal, and his appearances throughout our network here on the Las Vegas Raiders Network here on Raider Nation Radio. Vinny, uh, great work with the roster. Uh, with your years of covering this franchise, how complex was pairing this 90 down to 54 for you? Yeah, it, um, it was I've been doing this since 2019, I guess, uh, with the Raiders. Um, it was definitely, for me, the most difficult roster to decide, and not because, you know, couldn't couldn't come up with 53 good players. Uh, it was There were more than 53 good players, um, certainly at cornerback and, and defensive line and, and offensive line as, as well, really across the board. Uh, wide receiver, uh, uh, there, were, there were a lot of good players that, you know, just there wasn't room for them on, on the team, and to me, that's a sign of progress because in years past, there were some really easy cuts, a lot of easy cuts uh, for this Raider organization. Uh, that's, that's no longer the case. Uh, Vinny, one of the things I wanted to clear up here was Matthew Butler, who ends up on the practice squad, and what happened with the trade of Neil Farrell. These were two, I thought, foundation pieces going forward, or guys who are going to compete to be real solid guys on the team for a long period of time. Now there's a new wave of defensive linemen and tackles coming in. Walk me through Dave Ziegler's decision. Yeah, um, and the fact is, you know, the Raiders uh, this year alone, you know, what do they have, three three uh, pretty high draft picks that were, or two high draft picks that were defensive linemen, Tyree Wilson and Byron Young, uh, and then the seventh rounder, Nessa Jade Silvera, who just uh, has been, uh, a fantastic young player and prospects from day one here. Uh, he's made his presence felt. So that coupled with the fact that I think Jerry Tillery is a really good football player, kind of uh, under the radar a little bit, pickup that, uh, that the Raiders made late last season. Uh, they brought in you know a couple of veterans and Adam Butler and, and John Jenkins. And so uh, because of the newcomers through free agency and the draft and, and Tillery's presence here as well, um, it just – created a situation where there wasn't enough room for, for Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell. Uh, obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs trading for Neil Farrell uh, shows that there's a little bit of uh, you know value for him uh, out there. And then they brought back Matthew Butler on the practice squad, so he's still part of the uh, their journey right now. But yeah, I mean, the, the Raiders have made it clear that you know they're not going to put precedent of well, you know where you were drafted, how much money was invested in you in free agency, how you got here, were you part of the previous regime. Um, they're going to try to put together the best 53-man roster that they think is the best 53-man roster without any, um, you know, preference to, to players in terms of how they got here, where they were drafted. And that certainly was the case with Matthew Butler and, and Neil Farrell. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. You put surprise move, move in your column on waving Drake Thomas. Walk me through that now where he's landed and how difficult of a decision was that? Yeah, um, that's a player that... Uh, you know, of all the uh, of all the cuts, um, he might be the one that you know a few years down the line, you know, Raider fans would have been uh, wishing that it turned out a little bit differently. But 
you know, there's there's some guessing game that goes on here and some calculated risks, and certainly they, they took a little bit of a risk um, releasing him with the idea and hope that he was going to get through waivers and, and come back to them uh, as, as the practice squad. In fact, they, it sounds like he, he stuck around here for a little while and until this morning when it was found out that the Seattle Seahawks had uh, claimed him and uh, rewarded him uh, off of waivers. So he gets to go to Seattle and be a part of that 53-man roster. Uh, and I think he's going to be a good player uh, in this league. It's it's unfortunate for the Raiders. They certainly didn't want to lose him. But, again, uh, they, they feel pretty good about where they are at linebacker. I was talking to Dave Ziegler in Dallas, and he felt – he felt good about that positional group. You know, they stuck with uh, uh, Colton. Um, you know, their 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 fifth linebacker, basically, uh, who's really a special teams kind of an ace. And right now, he's a little bit of Curtis Bolton. He's a little bit ahead of, of Drake in terms of the special teams. So that ultimately, you know, won him that job. But they feel good about Amari Bernie. They feel good about Luke Masterson uh, and Robert Spillane and Divine Diablo. So uh, I know that that's a position that a lot of people are taking a look at and do they do enough? Are they, are they good? But uh, inside the building, they feel good about their linebackers. Vinny Bonsignor. So Vinny, overall, I think they're pretty happy from traveling with you on the road to seeing this team, to talking to the coaches and Dave. I think overall they're pretty excited about the 90-man roster, the players that they had to talk about paired down to 54. I mean, around I'm, I'm even noticing around the league, People giving the Raiders a lot of respect. Tell me about that. You got a lot of sources around the league, as the Raiders sometimes with the media don't get the respect they deserve, and that's fair. Until the Raiders win more than six games, they're going to have to fight for that respect. But what people around the league think of this new look Raiders roster? Yeah, and and that's true. Uh, they are going to have to earn that respect. But uh, you know, covering the Rams, Sean McVay, uh, uh, he always had this this term that he that he kind of always and he, he's told me this. You know. The guys who know know, you know, and and I think that 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 around the league, uh, you know, there's there's people that are noticing what the Raiders have been doing. I don't know what it's going to relate to in terms of actual wins. You know, this is going to be a difficult division, obviously, for the Raiders and a difficult uh, conference for the Raiders. So uh, it it remains to be seen, you know, what this team is capable of doing in terms of the wins. But in terms of kind of building a foundation and, and putting themselves uh, in as strong a position as possible to this point. Um, with their 53-man roster to go out there and compete in football games, I think there's recognition uh, in people that I'm talking to around the NFL that the Raiders have done just that. It doesn't mean that they're a Super Bowl team. Nobody's mm-hmm. saying that. Uh, but I think that this team um, is in better position to compete and to close out games this year compared to last year. The question is, what is that going to mean in a really loaded AFC? And I'm not trying to make any excuses for anything that might not happen, just really trying to be realistic about uh, the situation, because here's the thing. I was told by somebody, if you put the Raiders in the NFC, they might be one of the better teams in the NFC. Um, you know, just because right now, this year, the way things cycle through, uh, the AFC is loaded, the NFC not so much. So, um, you know, uh, but but in terms of the, the team that they've built, I think there's some recognition around the NFL that, that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are, are, are doing a good job in that regard. All right, Vinny, walk us through the next few days here. What happens with the Raiders practice as we ramp up for the Denver Broncos and next week with our full team coverage here on Raider Nation Radio? Well, what's the vibe like in Henderson getting the team now off the preseason when we know they're looking at Denver and they started looking at them earlier than the last couple of days and how they ramp up with their schedule for the game at the Broncos? Yeah, and I, I felt like there was a little bit of a different energy uh, inside the uh, the building during during practice there indoors today. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that are breathing a sigh of relief um, because it, it's tenuous, and this was a competitive 
you know, uh, training camp in terms of jobs. So there are guys, you know, obviously your Devontae Adams and, and guys like the Hunter Renfro's, they're, they, they were set. Um, um, so that they're a different kind of category. But there were a, a bunch of other guys who were, you know, uh, walking around on eggshells yesterday mm-hmm. and they survived and they're out there at practice. So there's a sigh of relief there. But also you can feel a certain change in energy in terms of, you know, they're no longer uh, practicing to prepare for a season or to the, prove that, you know, they're, they're, they should be on the scene, even though that's always an ongoing process. We're not going to get that aside entirely. But there also comes a time when it kind of turns from preparing in that regard to now preparing for an actual team in the Denver Broncos. They're not quite there yet. I think they're going to, you know, uh, be fully uh, immersed in that starting next week. But you're starting to hear uh, more about that, more about getting dialed in for their first week's opponent, uh, from the coaching staff to the players. Uh, and that's that's always cause for excitement. You know, you kind of know eternally, internally that clock. All right, uh, it's it's training camp is starting to drag on a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Time to start really taking that next step. And I think the Raiders are in the process of doing just that. Great, Vinny. Tell us about your partnerships as we wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. Dos Cotas Tequila, um, two two nice, new, great new places uh, that they're uh, partnering up with the Flight Club over at the Venetian. Uh, and the count room speakeasy over at the Flamingo Hotel. Tell them Vinny B sent you, uh, and there'll be uh, uh, food and beverage specials for you uh, from the Flight Club at the Venetian uh, and over at the count room speakeasy over at the Flamingo Hotel. Take care, Vinny. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, Jake. All right. That is Vinny Bonsignor as we wrap up uh, Vinny's appearance here, as we do every week, one of our insiders here on Raider Nation Radio. And that's what this is about our ability to have the best and most comprehensive Raider coverage, along with NFL coverage. You know, a day like today, Raider Nation's quiet, Bobby. i got to talk about the rest of the NFL. You know, today, Raider Nation's quiet today. I'm not quiet. I'm not quiet. I brought my A game. I got Bill. I got Vinny. got the Josh McDaniels portion of that press conference here. But I don't know. Raider Nation looked quiet, subdued today. And that's why I talk more about the NFL, too. Not just the Raiders, the league. And we're going to talk about the league in depth because the Raiders are competing against this league. I want to know what's happening in Cincinnati, Buffalo, Detroit, Jacksonville, and we're going to mix that into the show. There are days, you know, I'm doing national radio, but I'm not doing as much as I was. Thank God. I picked up more work with the Raiders this year, so I'm doing Sunday night, one day during the week on Mad Dog most likely, and then all Raiders. And then we added a couple of TV shows with the Raiders tomorrow night. Big night for me, State of the Team. If you're a season ticket holder and you got the invite for that, you're a PSL club holder, you know what's coming tomorrow as I'll sit down, suited up with the president of the team, Sandra Douglas Morgan, the GM Dave Ziegler, and the head coach, Josh McDaniels. That is tomorrow night, and that'll be around 5.30 or so. You'll get the robocall if you're a season ticket holder. You'll know about it. You'll be able to stream it. And then they'll take that, they'll put it up on YouTube, and then they'll also make a television show out of it. And hopefully good things will come out of that. So it starts to get good, and then it's the weekend. Speaking of the weekend, I'm doing a podcast right after this show, the last of my summer series, JT and Looney. Please download the podcast, JT and Looney. We don't do them just for them to sit out there in space. We'd like you to listen. Uh, Tonight we're doing one, and I'm going to air a little bit of it on this show on Friday fresh content. It'll be on the summer blockbuster movies. Movies. Now, I mock movies times because I go to a lot of movies, but I don't talk a lot about movies often on the radio show. We're going to because it's summer and it's the last week of the year. Kind of not put your feet up, but kind of put your feet up. I'm going on a golf trip this weekend and I'm celebrating my wedding anniversary this weekend. So I got a lot happening here. Yes. 
24 years, 24 years being married, and uh, next year's the big one. And, that, you know, I was married on September 4th, and it's tough to take off September 4th because that's, that's Labor Day and that's Raiders, so you can't go on a, a big vacation. But next year, that could change. Year 25, I got to deliver for my wife. Got to deliver big next year on that. So that's what we got lined up this weekend. My sons are coming home. It's always amazing when you have a kid in college because you want them to stay in college. You, know, you, you stay in college. You go to ASU, but he's coming home for Drake. Yes, he's coming home for Drake. And I don't know how much this costs me, but you wonder why I have 15 partnerships on this show because they're going to Drake. And my oldest son went to Arizona to work and pick him up, and they're driving home. And I think they're going to Drake. What is that? Saturday night at T-Mobile, which is the big show. My wife just went with her girlfriends to Beyonce the other night, and that was a big deal. And my wife tonight, man, she's got it good. She deserves it. My much better half, my wife tonight, is going to Luke Bryan over at Resorts World, which is a show she likes because my wife's number one go-to is country music. So she will go that tonight at Resorts World. So my family is participating in Drake, Beyonce, and Luke Bryan in just a matter of days as I wait for more rock and roll. And speaking of rock and roll, Friday, Lita Ford is playing at the Nugget, and Saturday, Last in Line is playing over at Vamped. Yeah, you're tight with Lita. You've taken a lot of pictures with her over the years and seen her at meet and greets, and you've seen her live a number of times. I've been seeing her since 1984. Lita Ford. Yep. Let's play some Lita Ford coming back on the other side. Okay. I just think the only big concert I have left is that concert I'm going to, that rock show out in Indio. The big oh, one gonna, there. That, well, yeah. that's going to be huge. Guns yeah. N' Roses, October is a really October is a really good month for concerts mm. here in Vegas, by the way. The only way I can go to that show is because the Raiders play on Monday. Well, so, obviously. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's going to be a big one, too. The week 13 bye week or whatever. <laughs> How did we get a week 13 bye week? Yeah, I mean, well, week 13 bye weeks suck for everyone. I was talking to someone from another team the other day, week three bye week. You know, you can look at bye weeks along the way. You want your bye week around week eight or nine. Somewhere there, recharge the batteries. At the beginning, week 13 is hard. This Raiders schedule is no joke. And I've come to the conclusion a long time ago, it's never going to be a The Raiders are always going to have a tough schedule. for the, As long as Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert are in the AFC West, as long as that rivalry with the Broncos remains vibrant, and it is, and then they're going to have to switch the schedule. We know how the schedule works. It's never easy. Never easy. Would I like to see the Raiders open up home against Indy? Maybe maybe a tough game, and then home against a team like, let's say, Cleveland, who they're not playing this year, or throw in a team that's a little bit easier so they could guaranteed start off 2-1. and one. I'd like to see it, and I don't know why the league didn't do that to them this year. I understand about an Ed Sheeran concert. I understand Ed Sheeran's coming to Allegiant. I understand that three out of the first four are on the road. But wow, did anybody in that scheduling office look and go, really, we're going to throw that to them? We're going to throw them that? We're going to just give them that schedule? Well, they did. you got to play the schedule. No one will make an excuse about the schedule. But I get feisty about it. I get feisty about it sometimes when you get a week 13 bye week for no reason. You start off with three or four on the road. 
you know, but this year they did deliver the primetime games. I like the primetime games. Other people could care less. I like this team showcased on Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night. I like Allegiant Stadium, and also it's the year of the Super Bowl here in Vegas. So we have the Super Bowl here, and that's a big deal. And there's going to be a lot of talk. That's why the Raiders got to stay in the hunt this year, not to play in the Super Bowl, which most people in Vegas doesn't think could happen. The Vegas Sharps have them at six and a half wins. But A, you never know, and B, we're hosting the Super Bowl. And we want to be in the back of the minds of everybody all year long with the Super Bowl being the venue here this year. F1 is right around the corner and the opening of the Sphere, which I guess there's some YouTube vibes there. I'm staying out of that one. What I hear about the Sphere, everything I hear about the Sphere, mm, I'll let Johnny Katz talk about that. That thing opens on time. It's not opening on budget. (laughs) <laughs> it's, not, it's not opening on budget. Just like the Fountain Blue ain't opening on budget. A lot of these things don't open on budget here in Vegas. Allegiant Stadium did with Tommy White. 872 Laborers, proud partner of the show. That opened up safely on time and on budget. Now we have a great stadium. Thanks to the 872 Laborers, big part of this show. Thanks again to Vinny B as we wrap it up on the other side. What roster cut bothered you? Last call for calls before Q, 702-365-9200. Cutdown day has come and gone. The practice squad and how the Raiders look heading into the Denver game. I think we, you know, kind of were coming down to the, the wire here and starting to really look into those, um, you know, those individual position battles and those individual slots. And um, I know, I think we both feel that this year, you know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, and, and that's, you know, again, like you said, that's by design. Um, you hope you hope to have built competition where um, it's not always clear cut. And I'd say we have a, some tougher decisions to make this year than we did last year based on the level of competition and, um, and, and how the players have performed up to this point. That's Dave Ziegler. Hopefully we're talking to Dave. I'll be talking to him tomorrow. We'll play a portion of that on Friday. So we'll do that tomorrow. A state of the team for the Raiders. Always excited to MC that gig. And then we'll play that on Friday, and Friday we're going to put together kind of a best of into some live segments here and all that, and we'll get out of here strong for the weekend and come back on Tuesday, and then it's go time, and it's a pretty big schedule for Q, for Vinny, for Lindsay, for Clay, all of us. We're going to be pretty busy. We've got a lot of different projects within the Raiders on Raider Nation Radio, and that's what we do. The season comes, and football season comes. We're an NFL flagship And our priority is the Raiders, the NFL, and bringing you great sports talk up and down the dial. We'll mix in UNLV football. We'll mix in all the breaking news here in town. Uh, Bobby and I, Golden Knights, I don't know of a show that talks more about the Golden Knights than we have over the years. The Stanley Cup champs, you know I love this team. I'm a diehard fan. Can't wait to see how they come back and try to capture the Cup again. And then I'm just trying to figure out what we're going to do with F1 because it's the biggest event in the history of Vegas, and we got to do something. Whatever we're going to do, I don't know what it is yet. I'll wait for them to tell us, but we are embracing Formula One coming in, which will bring more revenue and impact financially to Las Vegas than the Super Bowl. So F1 is coming and the Super Bowl. This is the most important year 
in the history of sports for Lotus Broadcasting. No debate. This is it. Everybody who's on the watch here knows it with all the events that we have. We have global, massive sports here in Vegas. And I'm talking college football with bowl games and the other things that are coming. College basketball with a national championship game on the horizon. The Las Vegas Bowl. The rodeo. Uh, NASCAR. Oh, my God. We have a playoff race in NASCAR coming up here. We'll ramp up with all of that. And then all the charity work we do from coaches versus cancer to the uh, elements of what we do with the Raiders. It's going to be busy, and it's great to be busy. If you would have told me when I came to Vegas in 1996 with Bobby that would be 2023 and we'd be this busy talking sports on the radio, everyone who guessed right about Vegas, you win. Everyone who guessed right, what could Vegas become? It's happened pretty quickly here because of the Golden Knights and, most importantly, the Raiders and the Golden Knights coming here. But what else is coming because of that makes this a great time to live in Las Vegas. Fantastic time. Raiders 66, what's happening? Hey, JT, yeah, you're right. Vegas is off the hook. This is the epicenter of sports. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I heard you lamenting a little bit about the schedule, you know, mm-hmm. having uh, – uh, three of the first four on the on the road, but back in the day, the the OGs of Raider Nation know that's nothing. We had uh, in seventy three, seventy five, and seventy six, all three years we had a five game road trip that was scheduled on us. As a matter of fact, in seventy three and seventy five, we played six of the first seven games on the road. It was only a fourteen game schedule. So you've got half of your road games out of the way in the first half of the season, basically. It, it, the schedule makers have never uh, treated the Raiders fairly. But talk a little bit about the uh, about the roster. I, I, I like the guys, but I think the most important guy on the defense is going to be Marcus Peters. I was so happy when we picked him up. I think his attitude and his ability to formulate in the young guys, you know, this turnover, Focus on turnovers, getting the interceptions, which we haven't had in Lord knows how many years. I think he's going to be very instrumental in that. But the big thing with the, with the roster, I, th- I thought, when I heard the trade that we made, uh, we sent Neil mm-hmm. Farrell Jr. to the Chiefs, mm-hmm. doing an interdivision trade is very unusual, especially with a big rival like that. As a matter of fact, I, the, the last one I can remember with the Chiefs, they weren't even called the Chiefs. It was 1962 when they were the Dallas Texans. The Raiders uh, needed a quarterback. Uh, they drafted Roman Gabriel in the first round, but he signed with the Rams. And uh, Tom Flores had uh, uh, TB, which is not Tom Brady. He had tuberculosis and was out the entire season. So we had Don Heinrich as the quarterback, lost the first game, had a bye week two. And they made a trade with the Chiefs. They got Cotton Davidson mm-hmm. as the quarterback who was supposed to fix things. Well, he did not. He played with the Raiders for six years, won a total of nine games, the Raiders went 1-13 that year. The trade was the Raiders' number one pick in 63 for Cotton Davidson. And Lamar Hunt knew, because he even said so, he goes, uh, we figured that the Raiders, are their number one pick is going to be the number one pick. And it was. They took future Hall of Famer Buck Buchanan yeah, with player. that pick. Could, could you imagine him with Ben Davidson on the defensive line <laughs> for the Raiders? Oh, my God. But uh, the reason they could get rid of Davidson was they had just picked up uh, Len Dawson, another future Hall of Famer. But uh, I hope this trade works out better for the Raiders than that last one in 1962. Thanks for the time, JT. Go Always appreciate it. You love a history lesson. Love a good history lesson from Raiders 66 on what's happening and what could happen. And trades on cut day. And, and look, Matthew Butler, when, when I look at players that are on the practice squad, I think of them the way you should, as Raiders who are on the team. 
But they're on the practice squad for a reason. They're not on the Pro Bowl. They're on the practice squad. And you've heard me preach a lot. Maybe Matthew Butler could be a player that could go to the Pro Bowl two years from now. Okay, but if you look at the player, uh, uh, Neil Farrell Jr., when I interviewed these guys, every year one of the gigs I love is I host the Raiders Draft Luncheon, and it's at Allegiant Stadium, and these guys are in the green room in the background, and I get a chance to meet them. It's about 10 or 15 minutes ahead of time, and they're sitting there, go over some question with them, and Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell were a part of that, just like Nestor Jade Silvera was and Christopher Smith II this year. And Nestor jumped out at me. I said, hey, my son goes to ASU. We're at the game. You beat Washington. He lit up, and we kind of talked. And then I saw him on the road in Dallas in the hallway, and he remembered, and we talked for a second. And I wanted him to make the team. He's a seventh-round pick. Seventh-round picks don't have to make the team. Those are the guys you park on the practice squad. They play well. You put them on the practice squad. Then you develop them. Nestor Jade Silvera is on the team. Okay, a guy who's now has to come in on this defensive tackle rotation and get their ass off the field on third down. Not a fresh set of downs. Do we understand this? The death of the Raiders last year in these games where they couldn't get off the field on third down. They had Max Crosby. They had Chandler Jones. They had guys who were supposed to get to the quarterback. And, you know, <laughs> everything, when you look at it in context— they were close to getting to the quarterback. How many times did Max beat his guy around the edge, had a beeline to the quarterback, the ball just comes out, Max hits the guy, takes him to the ground, but it's a completed pass for 11 yards. I'd love to know that number. It was a lot. That can't happen anymore. The defensive tackles have got to be better. Patrick Graham, this is on him. To have the rotation set where they're bringing in fresh legs on first, second, and third down. Max isn't coming off the field. Tyree Wilson is not supposed to come off the field. You don't burn a first-round pick, number seven overall, to put him in a rotation other than his rookie year coming off an injury. I'm okay this year. He comes off an injury. They're trying to get him ready to go. He's in a rotation with Chandler Jones. No problem. But you better hope that the following year he never comes off the field like Max, and he's a bleeping animal getting at the quarterback. Divine Diablo, why does he have to come off the field? Robert Spillane, why is he coming off the field? The only reason I would see Spillane coming off the field is third and 16, and they want to bring in some type of package with another cornerback or some hybrid player like Bernie who can run with a tight end or a receiver better, and then you bring Spillane off. I don't know, but you better not take Divine Diablo off the field. The guy looks like a monster. He looks like a robot now. He's ripped. He put on 15 pounds of muscle. He's the most dramatic change player that I've seen when I've been out there. He's got to stay on the field. He's got to be a non-liability. You can't say, oh, no, Diablo's on the field. The tight end's licking their chops to go take him out and go run him on a deep crossing route because Diablo can't stay with him. No, he's got to stay with him. And then Epps and Merrig have got to come in like Atkinson and Tatum. They're not going to be Atkinson and Tatum. But do you know what Atkinson and Tatum did? when they threw these lollipop passes 20 yards over the middle of the field, a quarterback throws it off his back foot, you know, kind of getting ready to be sacked, throws a little lollipop over the middle of the field, and Tatum and Atkinson come over and took the guy out. Guy sitting there waiting to catch a lollipop pass. Atkinson and Tatum, Skip Thomas, Willie Brown, Charles Woodson, go down the list. Bang! Blow these guys up. We got to see that. Or catch the ball. Catch the ball and then give the ball back to Jimmy G. 
and then let Jimmy hand it off to Josh two or three times for eight yards, three yards, seven yards, four yards, and then all of a sudden they have to come guy, they have to put players in the box, and Devontae, instead of being double covered, you have a safety up in the box, and Devontae is getting more of a single coverage, and so is Jacoby, and so is Hunter, and so is Michael Mayer, and so is Trey Tucker. That should rip the top off, I think. If it doesn't rip the top off, then I don't know football. <laughs> You're going to double-team Devontae. Everyone's going to be in single coverage. Someone's got to rip the top off of this thing and catch some balls. And I think Jimmy G is going to love this offense. I really believe that. The defense, we'll see how they play. Their first test will be in Denver. Q's on deck. Always has a great show. Thanks to Bobby, Vinny Bonsignor, Bill Williamson. We'll be back here tomorrow. State of the team tomorrow night. You can find that on YouTube. If you're a season ticket holder, I hope to see you tomorrow night. And then we are ready to roll with our exclusive team coverage of the Denver Broncos week one on the road. Have a great day, everybody.